It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. And a happy Monday evening to you. Along with Pat Caputo, I'm Dan Dickerson. Pat's getting untangled right now. You know what? That's a heck of a tangle you got going on right over there. A couple of headsets, maybe three, all tangled together. And Pat is going to untangle them, we think, by the end of this show. But we are glad to have you along on a Monday night, second to last, inside Tiger Town. We are getting ready for the start of a baseball season. Pitchers and catchers report. It's what everybody looks forward to, to hear those words. And they always ask me, when are you leaving? Because they know that a baseball season is, is not far away. And Pat, pitchers and catchers reported today. The first full workout is tomorrow. We'll be talking with James McCann on the show tonight. Coming up at 7.45, and then the full squad first workout is coming up on the 18th. And um, there's a lot to like about if you're the Tigers reporting to spring training this year with a new-look ballpark, new-look clubhouse, workout room, and I think these guys are ready to get going. Well, there's no question about it. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. That's great. I finally got untangled from all his headphones. <laughs> that was a little bizarre, but... Uh, yeah, those moments before I carry so many different things with Normally me. you can just reach over, grab a headset, plug it in, and we're ready to go. And no, uh, was, you grabbed was, like three. I did. I got a <laughs> bunch of stuff that I bring with me. So I'm prepared for the show. But um, you know what, Dan? Uh, it, it's it's kind of the point of the year where it's hurry up and wait. And uh, what I love about baseball is that it, you go through all these different stages, uh, among many things, where you have spring training, the regular season, then you have, like, the all-star break, the trade deadline, the pennant races, postseason. Then the the offseason starts in earnest, and you go through all these different parts of the offseason. And the offseason, I've had enough of it. Like I think most of us, <laughs> it's cold outside. Uh, it's, you know, you're starting to itch for, you know, daylight savings time and those beautiful days at dusk and uh, baseball coming. And it's always a great thing. It's always the first thing. It started – you know, when I was a kid with Ernie, would do the first preseason game or exhibition game uh, from Lakeland. You know, you can always hear it in the background. There's something about Joker March and Stadium where he did the, it just sounds different than any other place in the world. And when you guys do that, Ernie did it in the past, and you do it now, it's just something different. And that, that first preseason game or an exhibition game, uh, to me, I uh, I just hear that, and it just makes literally makes my heart uh, go warm, yeah. go warm. You know, it's just a... Something about it that's special, different than anything else in literally the whole in world. Yeah, and there's uh, we definitely benefit from people getting excited about spring, especially in the Middle West and 
the Northeast, where it's cold in the wintertime, uh, we definitely benefit. There's nothing quite like the start of a baseball season. You can't really compare it to football, hot and sticky in the summer when they start their preseason, or hockey or basketball. There's just that built-in, I can't wait for this sign of spring to get started. And uh, we benefit from that, and we, we enjoy it as well. But, uh, you know, the other thing about it is this year the Tigers are, the end of the last season ended so disappointingly. They didn't get into the playoffs. There was this kind of anticipation that all these things were going to change with them, uh, that they would probably get leaner and not necessarily meaner because it's hard to get leaner and have a better team. Right. Let's be honest with you, unless you've got some star-studded minor league system, and the Tigers don't have that with their advanced prospects anyway. So you're sitting there looking at it and saying, oh, okay, end of an era, all these different things, it's finally going to happen this year. But they didn't. Uh, they're not rebuilding. And then you can kind of look at the, this team, and maybe it's the optimism of, hey, you know what, spring training's coming and all that. But you can look at the team and see where maybe they can contend again, maybe have a shot. Sometimes teams break through in improbable ways at improbable times. It's a matter of everything coming together at once. There's certainly a lot of premier players on this team. And all of a sudden you look and you say, hey, maybe they got a shot. Right. Maybe it's a good shot. And it's probably a good thing that they kept the band together, so to speak. And it'll make for more of an interesting season than some kind of transition year or rebuilding year or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch this roster come together. There aren't a lot of decisions. We'll be talking about one of the bigger decisions, several really, on the pitching side of the equation. Clearly, the national feeling is this team has probably missed its window uh, to win a world championship. I think that's safe to say. I'll disagree with it for several reasons. But what you realize is that national consensus that the window is closing or has closed or that this is a team that's kind of in the 80 to 83 win range, which seems to be right now kind of the general consensus, 85 tops, is built on the fact that the stars who lead this team, led by Verlander and Cabrera, are in their 30s, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of regard for the Tigers' young players. And that's where I would probably say that my biggest disagreement with that prediction, there doesn't seem to be a lot of regard for McCann, Castellanos, Iglesias, whoever's going to be in center field, and I understand that because there's not a proven center fielder right now on this team. Um, but really not much regard for the fact they still have Upton, J.D. Zimmerman, uh, in addition to a guy like Joey Menez on the way, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of credit given or much expectation for guys like Boyd and Norris to join Fulmer. Because if there was, then you would say this is a team that has three starting pitchers 26 years or younger to go with Zimmerman and Verlander, and that could be a real strength in the end. But clearly the national feeling does not agree. The national feeling is this team is old, and its window for contending is closing if it hasn't closed already. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. What do you think about the Tigers? Do you think they're legitimate contenders this year? Also, who do you think the big breakout player is going to be? Uh, on the Tigers in 2017. What player do you expect that, to have a breakout year? Whether it's somebody on the comeback trail, somebody like maybe a Jordan Zimmerman, or perhaps it's a younger player. Uh, immediately comes to my mind is Daniel Norris. Who are you expecting to have a breakout year this year uh, in 2017? Last year, the Tigers had a big breakout year from Michael Fulmer that was not anticipated. It ended up being... By anybody, it was not anticipated. So, I mean, that was just... Not to that extent. I mean, the guy was amazing. So, how do you feel about it? Also, looking at my baseball prospectus, 
Uh, they they had a lot of optimistic things to say, surprisingly, yes. about some players on the Tigers right now that everybody in this town has written off. I'll tell you what baseball prospectus had to say. Is there some hope for these guys, or are they doomed? And what should the Tigers do with these guys? I'll tell you who that is coming up at 7.15. Um, James McCann, the Tigers catcher, will join us. That'll be at 7.45. But this show is about you. You're the Tiger fans. Dan and I, we're here every week for, for an hour. And uh, we've got a couple more shows left before Dan departs uh, for Lakeland. Actually, we'll do a Just couple one. shows uh, Just for one. Lakeland. Uh, but we'll do a show or two before Dan makes the big call and does that uh, exhibition debut from the Grapefruit League. But we'd love to hear from you. 248-539-9797. People love baseball. We know that. We love baseball. This is a labor of love for us. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. It's Tiger Talk. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97-1, the ticket. Runner on first takes off, put on to second base, and they got him. McCann does it again. Rickard took off a rare attempt by the Orioles to steal. And James McCann, as he seems to do every time a perfect throw cuts him down. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text nine seven one three six. We'd love to hear from you today, Pat Caputo, and Double D Dan Dickerson with Tiger Talk here on ninety seven won the ticket. Hey, coming up at eight o'clock, Paul Woods will join me today. Kenny's off. Uh, we'll have inside hockey town, so we got all the uh, all the sports covered here today. At least the ones we carry here on ninety-seven one the ticket. <laughs> and Dan, uh, talking about breakout players, who do you think is going to be the breakout player in two thousand seventeen? I who saw that uh, Anthony Fennick posted that question today. He had Daniel Norris uh, as his breakout candidate. It's not a bad choice. I think it'd be a huge choice, isn't it? Probably. It's it's huge for this team if he is. And the reason I won't make him my breakout candidate, and I, again, I really think he has a chance to be that guy. Right now, what's holding me back is his. His injury history. This is a really good athlete, and I think he, he can certainly stay injury-free. But because he's had two obliques plus the back injury all in the last year and a half, going back to the time they traded for him from Toronto, it does worry me a little bit. So having said that, the only thing that, to me, holds him back is health. So for that reason, my breakout candidate will be Joey Menez. In terms of who's going to have a big impact on this team this year, I think Joey Menez is going to have a big impact. It might start in May, much like Michael Fulmer's impact season started in May. But I really believe Joey Menez is going to be a big part of this bullpen by the end of the season. I think they're they are really in need of those reliable setup men for K-Rod. Certainly Justin Wilson and Shane Green can be those guys. I think the guy with the best stuff who will just, I think, slip right into that role will be Joey Menez. I would put James McCann on that list, too, because I still think yeah. – Obviously, his hitting, he made big improvements as a catcher, and I say breakout because he still has, I think, that offensive talent to be an impact hitter. You and I have talked about it at length. He needs to get much better against right-handed pitching to do that, but he has made changes working with the remarkable Matt Martin, who will do a little bit of everything. He's not just a defensive guy. He's a, he's a guy who works on the mental side as well. I think Matt's really worked with him and put him in a place where offensively, remember he was hurt by that ankle injury at the plate last year. 
he has that chance to have, if not a breakthrough year, a much improved year at the plate, and that would be a huge for this team. Well, I think those are two pretty good candidates, and I think with McCann, that's well taken. He'll join us at 745 uh, tonight, actually, here on 97, won the ticket. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at it. Uh, you mentioned Jimenez. You know, it's, it, it felt like I know was, you rave about him. You love him. I was like the you Joey. You just wonder why he's not on the team right now. I, th- I thought of why he wasn't <laughs> on in June. Uh, you know, it was like the Joe Jimenez fan club or something. I felt that way. So, I mean, obviously, I think he's really, really good and can have a, a breakout type of season. But I'm going to go with Justin Wilson. And the reason I say that is Justin Wilson has only scratched the surface of what he is. And I think sometimes in that game, you have to get your brains bashed in a little bit before you start to really be good in a figurative sense. And I think with Justin Wilson last year, I think that happened to him a little bit. You know, they depended on him. He saw that he was pretty good. Everybody thinks he's good. The two players that, uh, from my understanding, the Tigers get calls about all the time. One of them is Jose Iglesias, and the other one's Justin Wilson. Uh, where teams are looking for somebody. They'd love to get a power arm lefty. Yes. And I think he's a guy that has stuff. You know, it's like Jim Leland always said. He said, I'll take talent. You know, you can have uh, the experience. I'll take talent. He's got talent. He's got big-time talent. And I think that he could have a breakout year. I could even see a situation where he becomes, in some ways, their most valuable player. Where last year he faltered. I think this year he will thrive. I think the elbow had something to do with it down the stretch, right. but you got a two-and-a-half walk, ten-strikeout guy. Uh, those are valuable guys. He's cut his walks each of the last two years, no small thing. Has to be some bad luck involved when you're a two-and-a-half, ten-strikeout guy and you give up more hits than innings pitched. Some bad luck, no question. But th- this guy's good. I agree with you. And he's going to be the setup guy to start the season. There's no question in my mind. And he certainly has the tools, like you said, to be – a dominant force as a setup man. Well, if you look at it, it's you know, people talk about high leverage situations. He's the guy that's going to get the high leverage call. Last year he struggled with it. I think this year he will thrive in it. That's just my my thoughts. And obviously, Jimenez is very important in that. If you've got a righty lefty combo there, you talk Joe Jimenez throws consistently ninety five miles an hour or harder. People haven't seen him, but he's got late life on his fastball. It Bends. It's got a cutting action to it. Think Mariano Rivera. Not that he's as good as Mariano right. Rivera, but, but it has that same type of action. The other thing is, and it can be a bad thing when it comes down to holding runners, but he pulls his leg back and turns his back to home plate and then throws. Now, what that does is create a lot of deceptions. Hitters can't pick the ball up. So he's got kind of an ugly motion in a good way. Right. People used to wonder why Todd Jones would miss bats or do well when he was throwing 91 miles an hour and then pick up somebody like Matt Anderson. And Todd would be the first to tell you, I have a terrible motion. It's the best thing I've got for me. Uh, with Jimenez, it's not a terrible motion where he gets a lot of torque on the back leg and all that. But that ball comes out of the chute late. They don't see it. It's almost right. like the uh, the optical illusion to hitters of like the two you know, the jug's gun with the two tires, and it just right. shoots out. If you ever just first batted at that, you're like, whoa, the ball's right on top of me. Well, that's what it does. Hitters have to start striding early. He throws that slider, and they're done. Um, and he's got pretty good command, so I think he's got a chance. If you've got two power arms like that, the other thing is, and I don't think people realize this, the Tigers had the highest miles per hour of any staff in the major leagues last year. That is something that they have. They have more power arms because Rondon throws hard. 
and Verlander throws are their starters across the board. Right. Ninety-five plus on right. Fulmer, which is very high for a starter. Uh, so uh, Norris was at ninety-three above the major league average. Somebody like Pelfrey threw ninety-three, which surprised people, but above the major league average of ninety-two. And then you got Wilson. I'm talking about uh, Justin. And then you know, Alex Wilson isn't that hard to throw; doesn't miss that many bats. But they had more higher velocity uh, pitches than anybody else in major hmm. leagues last year, which was somewhat surprising when yeah. you think about it. So there is that aspect to them. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Joe, you're on ninety seven one. The ticket. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Victor. Um, do you think it's possible at all that someone could maybe have him think to playing less games? maybe like 120 to 125. It just seems like he plays so much better when he when he gets time off. No, I I, I don't I don't picture it. I mean, he played in 154 last year. He's not going to play in the field at all. I think he wants to play and if he says he's good to go unless he says I need a break, uh, he, he's going to be in there. You worry about his knees every single day and you worry about his health every single day, but this is a guy who wants to be in there, and I would think that while what you're saying does make some sense at 38, I think that as long as he shows that he can get up there and, I mean, let's face it, he had a pretty solid year last year, 290 with some pretty decent power numbers. Uh, he'll probably get about the same number of, you would think, plate appearances again this year if he has the same health. Yeah, that makes sense. I just seem like he played so much good after, like, Brad gave him a day or two off. He always seemed to come... You know, it'd be interesting to look that up. I mean, I, I have to figure out a way to, to actually look it up. But it seemed uh, to me, I didn't notice that just with the eyeball test or something that I noticed as a pattern. So maybe you picked it up. Maybe you're the astute one, Joe. <laughs> I don't you picked so. up something that, you know, we can relay, and Al Avila will relay it to Brad Osmus, and then all of a sudden, you know, they'll find something. You know, they got a big game, and all Victor Martinez take a day off, and then the next day he'll be really good. <laughs> he can still hit, Victor. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he becomes kind of this David Ortiz type of character. I don't know if you'll ever have that type of power. He had that one year, but where he hits forever. You know, because he, he offensively he was he had a pretty good year last year. It wasn't like he was uh, right somebody who was an automatic out or something. He had some pretty good numbers, you know. And uh, you know he can't run the bases. He's not going to help you out in the field. I, I've never used him in that regard, but he can still rake right, and especially left-handed. That's such a key for the Tigers. No, you feel good with him in the lineup. He'll be in that four spot because that's where he's comfortable. I think that you know JD's more comfortable five, and. Uh, no, you you still feel good about him at the plate. It's just I think the base running is a problem, but you're gonna you got him for two more years. You're gonna live with it. I'll tell you this: the game's tight, you know, and then you need a hit. You, you know, do you need feel, somebody. You, I know what hit. you're gonna say. If Victor Martinez kind of comes hobbling up to the plate. You feel pretty good about it. You know, if you're a Tiger fan, I would assume. Eh? Yeah. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Tiger Talk ninety seven one the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Boy, there's a pitch in the dirt. Snap throw down to first, and they got him. Wow. What a play by McCann on a pitch that Bowsey backhanded the in-between hop, got up, fired to first, and picked off Sousa. Double D, Dan Dickerson, great to hear that voice. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text nine seven one three six. Hey Jerry, you're on Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? 
Good evening, gentlemen. Hey. Hey, gosh, it seems like the winter went extremely fast this year. I'm sure the, the mild temps have done it for us. We're ready for some baseball now. Yes, well, indeed. I'll tell you what, it was sunny at uh, Comerica Park for Tiger Fest, and it looked like they could play. It would have been fine for opening day. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be nice in April when, when, when they start playing. Unbelievable, you bet. And, uh, Dan, just on the side note, uh, good luck to the Zaharias this year, right? <laughs> All right. Let me ask you my question. And the question is, is, is it possible that, and I believe he's in his fourth year, that Annabelle Sanchez can renew and get some life back into his arm again. Uh, remember, we've been kind of before the two youngsters, well, even before Fulmer, you know, we were always thinking about him in the last couple of years being a, a starter. Is there any chance this guy's got anything left in the tank to be able to help us out? My, my feeling is no. Absolutely no evidence that there's a whole lot there. And when you give up as many home runs as he's given up the last two years, I'd love to be wrong. And the big question, I think, do the Tigers give him the chance to prove people wrong, that he does still have something left? But think about trying to evaluate Anibal Sanchez in the spring. He's going to be gone for the World Baseball Classic, I believe. It's a very tough time to evaluate pitchers, very tough. Uh, And the Tigers have said, we're going to evaluate based on history. And his history is 59 home runs in 310 innings. And a 540 ERA the last two years, I just I don't see any evidence at all that that is that is about to change, and I I don't see any spot on this roster for him except for the fact that he makes 15 million dollars this year, and yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. a very tough decision for a general manager. You can't discount the fact he's going to make 15 million dollars this year, and you're going to eat that if you say no, Boyd's our guy, and there's no room for Sanchez in the rotation or in the bullpen. Indeed, indeed. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right, thanks, Jerry. You, you know what? Uh, I think there is some hope for the guy. You know, I didn't think so until uh, looking at baseball prospectus. Maybe they're off base. I read it to you out there in the bullpen. Uh, the book just came out this week. I don't even think it's on the bookshelves. But I got popped up on my computer as I pre-ordered it, and they said that uh, after July 1st, and I didn't realize this, but his, his OPS uh, hitters against, it still wasn't real good. You know, the major league average OPS is 700, roughly 700. Yeah, it was up a little bit last year. 705, 710. It depends here. Well, last year. year was more 730-ish, but yes. Was it 730-ish? Yes. Okay, but it's still his OPS after July 1st was still above the major league average, uh, which was seven. Uh, it was 754. But still, that's a lot lower than the first part of the year when it was 900 or something like that. So he did pitch a little bit better in terms of his performance from that standpoint. He is somebody that has guile, and anybody who's been around him uh, knows that he actually cares. You know, it, the fact that he can't pitch breaks breaks him breaks him up. You know, even though he's you think, hey, man, you're rich beyond anybody's belief. Hey, just go off and ride out in the sunset, and you're great. You have the ALERA title. Who cares, right? He cares. So there's some hope for him because he's got that, uh, you know, ball player thing going. So I'm just saying there's a speck of hope for him. The other thing on low, he also is OPS against a 6.56 at later in the year uh, after July 1st. Now, this is all mop-up rules where they're bringing him out Very there. Very much a mop-up rule. And, but he does have some velocity sometimes. It kind of comes and goes in his career. There's some hope for him. And Pelfrey threw as hard as he did the year before. He said, well, it doesn't matter. He doesn't miss bats. I, Great point. His, the OPS against him was still bad the second half. Um, but there is six seven. you know, throws on a high tilt. Um, again, another guy who uh, he seems to really care about it. 
There's a possibility. You know, some of these guys, they get to where they're at because they're like, uh, they just don't go away. You know, they're persistent. They get knocked down. They keep going. Maybe some of these guys have got it in them. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm, I'm just giving you an alternative view on it. No, I'm, I'm glad you are because I'm just I'm not optimistic about any of them. I like all of them, but that means nothing. I know. Uh, no, you, no, you it doesn't for them if, if because, they don't do well. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to tell whether in spring training whether they've got it back or problem. not. That's the problem. There's not room for all of them in the in the bullpen. And you're again, you're going to try to evaluate based on spring training performance. Forget it. You're, I mean, maybe with a Joey Menez because they're looking for maybe improvement with a particular pitch, like more command of his fastball or a better slider, whatever it is they're looking for, you can judge that in spring. But when you're trying to judge whether an Ebal Sanchez is better than the guy who finished last year with a 580 ERA, that's tough to do because you're getting out double-A AA and triple-A guys for the most part in most of these games. And I'll tell you this, if, if Al Avila said what I just said to me, my eyes would roll. So you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I understand the alternative. And the other thing on the Joe Jimenez thing, a little late to the party. Joe Jimenez had been called up last year. <laughs> they would have been in the postseason, in my opinion. But that's just me. Right. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. And you can't tell me he couldn't learn something from hanging around K Rod <laughs> and the pet. Pat, you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go, Pat. And, oh, I'm sorry. Instructional league. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be on this team out of spring, I think. I really believe that. He probably threw the best pitches he ever threw in his life last June, and even no, I'm just. But then they weren't in the major league. Hey, Gary, you're on 97 won the ticket. What's up? Not much, guys. I'm I'm really getting back in, into the saddle here, and it's nice that we're finally at baseball season, Dan. It's going to be nice to hear you uh, in the very short future um, calling games at uh, Joker Martin. So I'm looking forward to that, my friend. Thank you. Week uh, from Friday. Yeah, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, and this team's. You know what? Even though this team could have gone out and done a few different things, they could have sold, they could have bought. I mean, I saw Travis Wood sign today. He might have yeah. been a, a decent pickup. But I will say this, Dan, to, to follow up on what you said earlier, I still think that this bullpen is actually vastly underrated. And I do think that not only is, is Wilson a key piece, but Alex Wilson towards the end of that year with the way that he was getting the fight on his off-speed pitches, the way that he was able to get himself out of what seemed to be plenty of jams, uh, he was a guy that kept the ball down and was able to induce a lot of double, you know, double plays and ground balls towards the second half of the season. I think you pair him up with a Jimenez, hopefully a guy like Kyle Ryan and, and Blaine Hardy that can sort themselves out there as well. I think this bullpen actually has four or five quality pieces in it, and I actually think it's not a bad thing. I, I, it's not a major league best bullpen, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely not in the bottom half of the major league. No, they showed some signs, and until until Green and, and Wilson kind of faltered down the stretch, talking about Justin, uh, they actually put together some pretty solid numbers over a two month stretch, uh, and they, they just need to. I think those two guys hold the key. Alex Wilson's been the MVP of this bullpen the last two years. There's no question about it. He's settled into a nice role. He can be a long man. He can be a swing man. Uh, Alex Wilson's very valuable. But he's not going to be that setup man, and that's that's the role that needs to be filled with great consistency. That's why I think Pat's point about Justin Wilson is is dead on. He can certainly be that guy. Shane Green, we have no feel. At least I don't. He showed he could do it, then he showed he couldn't in an equal number of innings. Well, you know the amazing two thing months. about Shane Green. But it's a slightly small sample size as well. But I was also going to ask you as well, Dan. Um, I know that uh, Al Avila made the trade for Mickey Matuk. I know there were a few other guys out there, but. I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I mean, is this a case where you think he could potentially win out the starting job? I know that they're trying to tout Jacoby Jones as being the guy, but oh yeah, they traded for Matuk. Like, 
They traded for Matuk to put him in center field. I don't think there's any question it's about that. He's going to be their starting center fielder. There's no there. question. They didn't. They want now, Jacoby Jones to get more seasoning. They still believe in him, I think, very much so. But he, they believe that he has to be a AAA to start the year. Now, is this one of those cases, though, with, with Matuk to where – now, does he possess a similar type skill set as, as a Maven? I know Maven was a little bit more of a contact hitter great speed, but from what I've seen with Matu... It I don't know like what to think. He hit nine home more. runs and just over 100 at-bats two years ago. He hadn't done that in the minor leagues before, uh, so he showed great power, and then last year he didn't show much of anything. Injuries he feels like were to blame. Um, maybe something in between, but really it's got to be a guy who uses his speed uh, to, for his offensive skills. I think his offensive upside is fairly limited, but I do think this is a guy whose defensive upside I'm intrigued by just because of what is it. You know, his college coach at LSU said, an electric athlete, uh, you don't hear that all the time. I don't think guys say that just to say it. There's a whole boatload of uh, Mikey Matuk. Well, not a whole boatload, but a few. Going back to LSU, highlights of him making uh, very acrobatic plays near the fence, diving, things like that, throwing guys out. So there's some athleticism there. A lot of those highlights are when he's playing right field. So it'll be interesting to see how that we'll dynamic. We'll be able to get a feel. Center yeah. field in Florida. I mean, gap to gap, can he take hits away? We'll be able to get a feel of that in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. So it depends on those type of things. But I'm not as high on Jacoby Jones as you are, right. or maybe the Tigers, maybe are or aren't. Um, 248-539-9797. Speaking of young players that could break out, one of Dan's picks is coming up next. <laughs> That's Tigers catcher James McCann. You're listening to Tiger Talk, a 97-1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio, 97-1 The Ticket. The 1-1, swinging a fly ball, left center field, on the run, Rasmus, way back, gone! Just kept going to left center, grand slam for James McCann! There you go. It's got kind of a little little, uh, little alliteration there. Yeah, no question. Grand slam for James McCann. Joining us now, though, is the Tigers catcher, James McCann. How are you, James? I'm doing well. How about yourself? We're doing well. It's good to, good to hear from you tonight. And uh, I would imagine you're getting pretty excited about spring training, just uh, starting here for you guys down at uh, Lakeland. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time of the year. Uh, starting things up, getting back with the the guys, and getting back on the field. How quickly does that feeling go away uh, when you? I mean, because for catchers, I always think <laughs> spring training it's a lot of work. You're catching a lot of guys. You want to get to know some of those new faces, and you guys put in some long days. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's what you love to do, though. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that that. You know, you don't you don't always look forward to all the bullpens, but at the same time, uh, that's the way you gotta you gotta get ready for the season. You understand that, and uh, no, they they do a good job of taking good care of us down here and making sure that uh, we're we're well rested and taken care of. James, I had a, a nice talk with uh, um, Matt Martin on the during the caravan, and he was so impressed by the work that you did last year. Uh, you were having some struggles against righties. I know you two started working on the mental side of things, plus others uh, during the season. There is certainly some improvement in, in August uh, into September against righties for you, which an area obviously where you had to improve. And then you went to Camp Martin in the off season. Just talk about the influence that Matt has had, some of the things you've worked on, and why that gives you kind of that optimism, especially about your offense going into 2017. Yeah, 
Matt is our uh, our video and, and defensive coordinator, and uh, you know he's a guy that that focuses a lot on on uh, the mental aspect and and how you approach the game uh, mentally. And uh, you know he, he's just kind of a guy that, that has you take take the mechanics out of it and, and and get back to you know what you've done since you're a kid, and that's just you know going out and, and playing the game and allowing your your body to do what what you know you've trained it to do. Um, and the mind is such a powerful thing that you, a lot of times, uh, you know, hurt yourself by overthinking something or, you know, not, you know, you're not allowing your body to, to perform. Um, and that's that's what we, you know, got back to is, is just allowing things to happen and instead of trying to force it and, and putting that extra pressure on yourself. And uh, I took that into the off season and I uh, feel like I've made some, some big strides and some big gains this off season as far as that's concerned. You know, I was often wondering, you know, a player like you played a top-level college program like Arkansas, and then you go into professional baseball. A lot of players come out and sign out of high school. Can you talk about the difference between what you went through and how much did playing college baseball help you and how much of an adjustment is it going from the college ranks into professional baseball, James? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you sit around and talk with guys that uh, signed out of high school versus guys that signed out of college, and it's, it's just so different. Uh, you know, college, you have, you know, 5 a.m. workouts, and uh, then you got to go to class for four or five hours, then you're back to the field for, for practice. And, um, you know, it's just so much – there's so much more, uh, you know, time taken up in a day when you throw in, you know, classes. Um, but what it really helps you do is it helps you uh, – you know, learn how to have a routine, um, and that's that's the biggest thing for me that I that I got out of you know going to college was I, I have a routine. I know it works for me to, to get my body ready, to get my body right, um, and then uh, you know the the adjustment as far as uh, you know playing on the field. Uh, it's a much bigger adjustment, obviously, going from high school to pro ball as it is going from you know college to pro ball, especially when you're you're playing at a top. In D1, you're playing against the best best players in the country. Uh, that's it. Just prepares you for for what pro ball has to offer, um, especially when you talk about you know a place like University of Arkansas, where you've got eight or nine thousand fans in the stands every game, and you know you're playing in front of people and loud crowds and uh, maybe a hostile environment when you go on the road. But uh, it, for me, you know, the college is, is just something that, that really really helped me develop for uh, for future in pro ball. Talking about development, James, I know you took, this looked like big strides defensively last year in so many ways. Brad always talks about that, the, the learning curve for a catcher in terms of calling a game, which he feels is the most uh, perhaps unmeasurable uh, from the outside uh, aspect of catching. It took him, he said, four or five years, but... You caught a staff that had a guy who probably, well, arguably could have won the Cy Young, another guy who did win Rookie of the Year. How did you feel like you progressed, especially in that area, calling a game? Because it sure looked like there was that comfort level as the season went on. Yeah, I think definitely as the season went on, um, I, I gained more and more uh, you know, experience, and I got a lot more comfortable. Um, and I think that's something that, that like, like Brad has said, is it just comes with time. Um, I, I don't think that there's a – a magic number that you can say, okay, as soon as he's caught, you know, this many games, right. that, that's when it clicks. Um, it's just kind of one of those things you go off a of feel. I think that uh, that's that's a big, a big, you know, learning curve, and that's something that if you can find a way to shorten that learning curve, it's going to make you, you know, a better player in the long run. 
And uh, I think last year was was a big stepping stone, and, I, and this year again I look to take an, another you know, big stride in that area of my game. Um, you know, and just learning from from what Brad has to offer, and, and getting Alex back this year, and uh, you know, learning from you know, guys like Verlander, guys like Zimmerman, guys that have been around. Uh, and taking little pieces from every little guy that's had success and, and turning it into my own personal game. Uh, talking to James McCann, the Tigers catcher. Uh, James, is one thing that, that that's it's it's one of the quirkiest things that uh, I can ever remember statistically, and it's your batting average against right-handers and left-handed uh, pitching. You hit left-handers with a high average. Have you know, from the time you were in the minor leagues, not so much against right-handers. And I would assume you grew up seeing right-handed pitching all the time. Is it something that's just a coincidence, or is it something you work on? And how do you work on something like that? Um, I, I think it's uh, it's something that, that you can work on. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's different things that you can, you know, you can key in on as far as, uh, you know, mechanics go and, and what you're allowing yourself to hit and what you're, you know, uh, maybe not allowing yourself to get to in, in the way that your swing works, um, and that's that's something that uh, hopefully I've addressed this off season. And uh, you know, but it's just something you, you continue to work on. Everyone's going to have a weakness, and that's uh, you know part of part of the game. Um, you know, there, there's only there's only one Ted Williams in the world, only one Miguel Cabrera. You know, and even those guys have their weaknesses. Um, and that's something that, uh, as a as a, as a competitor and as a professional baseball player, you uh, you know you you focus in on on those weaknesses and find a way to, to make them uh, you know not so weak and, and strengthen them. Yeah, you got a great strength against left-handers. It's uh, it's an it's an amazing uh, thing, and probably I would assume even out after some uh, certain point playing. Uh, the other thing is a receiver last year. Uh, you worked very hard, obviously. You know, framing pitches, doing different things like that. I don't think people realize how much nuance goes into that. Uh, do you feel like right now that uh, you've really developed into a, a top-notch receiver, and where do you need to improve that way? Certainly throwing's not a problem for you. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, again, that there's there's always uh, areas that you can improve. Even, you know, even throwing, there's I can think back to the numerous uh, times during the season last year where, uh, you know, whether it's a success or failure, I, I could have been better in one way or, or another. Um, and, uh, you know, with receiving, I, I felt like I made some, some good strides last year. I feel like I've made some more strides this offseason. I continue to, uh, look to continue to work on that in spring. Um, but that, that's kind of the way that uh, I've always felt about, you know, my game is no matter how good I, I get, I feel like I can always find a way to get better, find a way to, to fine-tune something just a little bit to, to make it even better. Um, and that's something that uh, you know, with, with receiving, I, I've I've worked on this off season, and um, you know, hopefully there's there's it'll pay dividends come the season. James, we enjoyed the conversation. Good luck to you, and uh, good luck this coming season. Enjoy spring training. We'll see you next week, James. All right, sounds good. Y'all take care. Thanks. That's James McKinney, the Tigers catcher. We appreciate uh, his time. He did make big strides defensively. And I know, I mean, you just love hearing that, but what what else would you expect from James McCann? He always wants to get better, but he he made big strides with his total defensive game last year. Yeah, he's an amazing thrower. I mean, some of the athleticism and his throws is incredible. You know, mm-hmm. and he gets into his stance, he pops up the throw he made uh, from, uh, you know, down in the crouch. Uh, he just finds a way to get the ball there. 
He's an amazing thrower. Yeah, I mean, he's over 40%. Just remember, league average is at 27%. He's over 40% the last two years. And a couple of, I mean, just unbelievable. Right, right on, on the, the bag. Dot. And just <laughs> with great quickness. He's athletic. He reminds me, he's bigger. But he does remind me a lot of his, his manager, Brad Osmus, as a catcher. There's sim- very much similarities. Athletic guy uh, who uh, just do do certain things that can get it done, understands how to call a game. I think he's gotten better at that. So he has a, the, the upside for him is still, still there. Still there. No question. Anyway, Dan, enjoyed it. All right, Pat. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, here we will. Coming up next, uh, Paul Woods will join me today. Kenny's off uh, Inside Hockey Town. coming up next here on 97.1 The Ticket.